it makes me feel like I'm less alone. I think one of the things that I first struggled with was not being sure of like was the right way to feel and like having all these different thoughts and not being sure if they were almost the right thoughts to have or the right feelings to have or were they even valid. And then even though it's sometimes difficult to share with others, being able to share these different thoughts together makes me understand these thoughts are very valid and it's okay to feel certain ways at certain times. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. On this special episode of the Amplify Nursing podcast, we talk with Penn Nursing students Casey Chang and Amy Shaw, President and Vice President of APANZA, the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing's Asian Pacific American Nursing Student Association. APANZA is a community dedicated to providing support and representation for the Asian American Pacific Islander minority populations within the Penn School of Nursing. We talk with Casey and Amy about the current state of prejudice in this country, the microaggressions they face in their daily lives, including during clinicals, and how faculty and staff can better provide support to students during these traumatic times. Casey and Amy, thank you so much for coming to speak with us today. We're really excited to have you. Thank you for having us. How about we start with just talking a little bit about what brought you into nursing? Casey, why don't you start? Sure. So I think growing up, I was pretty interested in the medical field. I remember like in elementary school, like at the library, I would check out like books on like ambulances and stuff or whatever. But I think in high school, I started to realize that a lot of my like strengths and interests leaned a lot more towards the human relations side and like personal relationships. And then so I thought nursing was like a good intersection between the two, just because For me personally, I found that like being able to build relationships with patients in addition to like treating their physical state was a lot more fulfilling to me personally. Um, And so that's kind of why I chose nursing. How about you, Amy? Yeah, so I think I've always been pretty interested in the science and like the healthcare field. That was what I was really interested in throughout high school. I was actually really involved with the American Red Cross in terms of volunteering. So I ended up teaching like CPR hands-only classes um, and first aid classes. I think what stood out to me was being able to form those very human relationships with people and like form those genuine connections. So I felt like when looking at healthcare nursing was where I'd be able to do that. So I was I just kind of took a leap into that. And then since coming into Penn and learning more about nursing, I feel like it's definitely an area that I find myself really loving and really having a passion for. That's great. So you are both junior nursing students at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I can go. And then Amy, if you have anything you can add on. But Amy and I both joined a Panza, which 
stands for Asian Pacific American Nursing Student Association, our freshman year as freshman liaisons, which was like a board position that existed to kind of connect executive board with the freshman class. And we've both been on board ever since. Apanza exists as a support group for Asian American nursing students. I think when it was originally founded in 2011, there weren't that many students of color in nursing. And so being able to be a support group was really important. And I think in the past few years, as Apanza has grown, which has been like absolutely amazing to see, we've also begun to do a lot more external work in terms of advocating for communities to fill out the census or other social justice work. Um, in addition, of course, to like our internal like bonding and act our internal activities as well. How many students do you have that belong to the organization? Um, I would not say we have any very exact number. I think as far as executive board currently has 10 people on it, I believe. And then we have like a group me that like represents our entire organization. And I think that has like over 50 members in it. But then there's always differing number of people that come to our different events. So it's a very like casual organization. We don't require attendance to all our events or anything. It's just whatever uh, members feel comfortable going to, whatever they're interested in. So um, there are always members that are more active than others and members that show up to more events. But so overall, the number does definitely differ. But I would say our events usually have around 10 to 20 people who come every time. That's great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's the mission of a panza? Why did it start and what does the organization do? Um, yeah, so Apanza was founded in 2011. And I think um, I might have mentioned this a little bit before, but it existed as like a support group. I think coming to Penn um, as like a student of color can be a little bit disorienting. And especially in the School of Nursing and also in like a healthcare setting, it Without a support group, I think it can be like be, I think individuals can very easily feel like othered or just have a more difficult time navigating. So that was what kind of a panza was like in its first few years. There was a, like a lot of internal boarding, board, uh, or not internal board, internal like club activities, like surrounding food and things like that. And then in the more recent years, we've also had a lot of discussion events, sometimes in collaboration with other nursing organizations, sometimes in collaborations with other um, organizations in the Asian Pacific American community. And these discussions usually surround, they can surround being like a student of color, a person of color in the healthcare system, or it can address like our upbringings as like children of immigrants or just like anything else that I think is unique to our experiences and just provides a place for people to share. So how has the tone of your meetings been considering all of the social upheaval that has been happening in the U.S.? Amy, if you want to chime in and tell us what you think. Yeah, so it was actually a little bit ironic. During the week that there was the shooting in Atlanta, we were actually planning on having an event that dealt specifically with microaggressions, because we personally felt like that was an area that our community has to go through a lot and we wanted to address it. And then the event happened, we heard about it. And 
suddenly like talking about microaggressions felt a lot less relevant to what we were going through. And we ended up having to scrap the entire event and we ended up just holding an open forum. I think it's been a little bit difficult in that most of us just need a place to process things and be able to talk comfortably because we felt like we didn't really have that. Um, But overall, I would say we've tried to provide a space for that, but not force anything. And I definitely agree. Yeah, it's like a weird tension between wanting to provide space for people, but also recognizing sometimes a bit of time to themselves is what others need. And it's also like an awkward, not awkward, but I think a difficult tension between trying to take time and process and acknowledge all that's going on around us, but also still proceeding as normal with schoolwork and club events and clinical. So that has been really interesting and also difficult at times, I think, to navigate. So Casey, what are some of the things that you're doing to help navigate those things? I think... One of the big things Apanza did that Amy just mentioned was the open forum. I think we both felt strongly about holding that event just because, like we said, people process things differently and sometimes people process by speaking their thoughts and sometimes people digest by hearing others speak. So I think just holding that event where there was no expectation to say anything that was like particularly groundbreaking or super like thought through coherent thoughts and just really just a space for people to say whatever was on their mind was really helpful. And I think we've also been, Amy and I, reaching out to like members of Apanza individually just because we also understand that sometimes speaking in a group setting is not everyone's like forte or preference and just feeling like you have someone that you can talk to one-on-one I think when I was an underclassman was really beneficial and I think that's just something that I personally try to replicate and reproduce for like the students below me. I'm I'm really impressed with the way the two of you are going through all of this, this social upheaval, all of this, these issues with prejudice and things like that, while you're maintaining your own schoolwork, while you're maintaining your own clinical responsibilities, and then pre- creating space and providing an opportunity to carry the load for other people. So Amy, how are you managing that? I think there have definitely been times where it's been really difficult, like frankly speaking. I've been very lucky though in that I have a very strong support system through a panza and then I have a very strong support system through my friends too. There have definitely been moments where I'll end up having a conversation at midnight with my roommates just talking about things because we don't really have the time throughout the day to talk. Um I feel like, though, even though it can be a little bit overwhelming to have the things that I need to personally balance out, like my classes or clinicals or managing a club, finding that sense of community by reaching out to others does help me personally as well. And it makes me feel like I'm less alone. I think one of the things that I first struggled with was not being sure of like was the right way to feel and like having all these different thoughts and not being sure if they were almost the right thoughts to have or the right feelings to have or were they even valid. And then 
even though it's sometimes difficult to share with others, being able to share these different thoughts together makes me understand these thoughts are very valid and it's okay to feel certain ways at certain times. What do you think we can do at the nursing school to help support a pandemic's mission? I think a really good model, I guess, of support APANSA has received was from Dr. Flores, who is our faculty advisor. He has just really offered himself to us and made it really known that he was here for us, no matter what programming programming we wanted to hold and no matter like what current events were going on. And I think that just meant a lot to us as a club and just like me as an individual, I think knowing that there is faculty and that there are advisors who are thinking of us beyond just like when they need to was really meaningful. And I think um, something we also was like, we're debating or like thinking about when we were considering whether or not to hold or considering what was the best way a PANSA could provide for our constituents' needs was that it's so it's difficult at times when like you are witnessing violence or like experiencing trauma to even be able to identify what you need like on a pandas and the most that we could do was provide ourselves for our members and i think dr flores did that to us and i think that that's kind of at this moment, all that I could think of in terms of what Penn Nursing can do to support us, just because even though I am confident and sure that if I were to reach out to certain faculty members that they would be more than happy, but more than willing to listen, I think there is something to be said about those that individually reach out when they have no obligation to or when no one has told them to, to voice their support for us. I think I just want to add on to, I definitely agree with Casey in that um, our advisor, Dr. Flores, did so much to make us feel supported and comfortable sharing our thoughts. For me, something that helped was just acknowledgement. I think I felt, I remember feeling very frustrated at times in that I would hear about current events or I'd hear about different incidents and then I'd have to go to class and things never went acknowledged. I had an EALC class, so an Eastern Asian language and civilization course, and basically nothing was ever mentioned. So it just felt like a bit of a disconnect. And it did help when faculty or TAs reached out and just verbalized that they were aware that something was happening and that they wanted to be a source of support as well, or somebody to go to if I needed to verbalize anything or if I wanted to share my thoughts. So honestly, just being able to say that something happened and they're aware of it and they want to do what they can to support us means so much to me. We hope you're enjoying this episode and we'll be back with more in a few minutes after this quick break. People should read Pem Nursing magazines if they care about nursing, if they care about healthcare, if they want to know the types of things that you can do with a nursing degree. My name is Sasha Degas. And I'm the Associate Director of Marketing and Content Strategy and the editor of Penn Nursing Magazine at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. Penn Nursing Magazine is flagship publication for the School of Nursing, and we publish twice a year in the spring and the fall. We're kind of loosely calling this our social justice issue. 
We really looked at, gosh, a whole range of things. Our feature packages three stories and covers everything from the research on trauma and vulnerable populations, as well as the ways in which our undergraduates rallied around the 2020 census and elections. It's been interesting to see the scope of what social justice can actually be and how it relates to nursing. And I think that the feature does a really good job of unpacking some of that. If you want to read the Pun Nursing Magazine, you can go to nursing.upenn.edu. You'll want to go to our News and Events tab and under there is School Publications. You can either click there and read it digitally and sign up to receive it in the mail. I think that so many of us have always had a focus on especially recently, <clears throat> the, the struggle of the African-American community. And I, I think that this is something that has taken a little bit longer to come to light. I would imagine probably just because there's, you know, less, you know, less people to sort of spread, spread the word and talk about their experiences. But have you experienced issues with microaggressions in your daily life here? I think... Sometimes I think it's difficult to identify microaggressions for me personally because they can be so micro and because they are so ingrained in society almost. But I remember one time during clinical last semester on med surge, I was in a patient room with Amy and we were just, I think we were like changing the patient's bed linens and it was the two of us plus one other Asian American female student. And she was expressing to us how thankful she was for our help. And then transitioned into asking us where we were from, which I think I'm really grateful that these days, most people acknowledge that the question of where are you from is quite the microaggression and quite loaded. But I remember like sharing a look with Amy and debating how to answer it. And we both ultimately told her that we were from Southern California, only to be further prompted with where are your people from? And then after, after we shared that, she also asked us about our religion and asked if we were Buddha, which we took to interpret meant if we were Buddhist. But I think it's some things like that. It's things like that that are seem or can be so well-intentioned right because she was obviously did not mean any harm because she was really grateful for our help and was just trying to make conversation but it also just goes to show how ingrained stereotypes and microaggressions are in our society and how they can just like come out and put the receiving end in such like an uncomfortable and difficult position because then we were confronted with whether or not we say anything because we are students and we are also student nurses and she is the patient and there's like weird power hierarchies there. There was also the question of if we say something at this moment, will it even have an impact on the greater scheme of things? And so it was just really in that one instant, there were so many things going through my head. And it's interesting because I feel like for the patient after she leaves the hospital, she might not have even ever remembered she said that to me. But for me, it like sticks with me and I think will unfortunately impact perhaps me or like it impacts, I think, 
future clinicals or future future patient rooms I went to, will I be asked this question again? How will I answer these questions next time? Or how will I navigate this conversation? So that's just like one of the examples that I think came to mind. Amy, how about you? Yeah, I think just going off of what Casey said, I've definitely had my fair share of almost awkward interactions with patients in clinicals. And it's it's also like what Casey said, it's always very difficult in that, first of all, being a microaggression and knowing that it wasn't meant to be something that's ill-intentioned, it's always difficult to know whether or to feel comfortable calling it out. Um, and then because there's also the relationship of being a patient and a, and a nurse, especially a student nurse, I'm always worried of disrupting the rapport that I've built with that patient or like that respectful relationship I've built. If I were to call them out for something that they might not think is that big of a deal, but I will agree on what Casey said on that. It does definitely affect my relationship with a patient. There'll be times where I'm just a bit more hesitant to go back into their room or interact with them more because I don't want to hear those comments again, but I'm not really sure how to call them out on it just because I, it feels like it shouldn't be a big deal, but at the same time, it is a big deal to me. Yeah. I think that's a really, it's a really difficult position for anybody to be in because if you, you run the risk, if you are trying to correct that behavior of making the patient uncomfortable and you're kind of stuck together. It's this weird dynamic. It's not like you're out in the world and you know, you, you have a choice in the interaction. You know what I mean? Nursing is partially a forced interaction. So you have that. It's a really tricky thing to navigate. And I I think that, uh, I think that you guys are doing a pretty good job so far. Um, but it's a, it's a challenge and I, I can really see how difficult it must be for you to have to deal with patients that are making commentary that is insensitive and, and potentially hurtful to you. What do you think that we can do to make it different? What are some things that you think a patient could do? Because Casey, your example was actually a great example, right? So it's a patient who is grateful for your help and wants to try and get to know you a little bit better. And, you know, unfortunately they started saying insensitive things, but I, it sounds to me that you took it as the patient was trying to get to know you a little bit better. So what do you think would be a better approach for someone who would like to get to know you a little bit better. Recently, what I've seen and what I've experienced is just like the power of open and honest conversation. I think, yeah, when you're caught in that situation, like I said, there's so many things running through your mind that it's difficult to be able to respond promptly and engage in a conversation then. But something that is like quite hopeful to see, I think is our generation these days and how how much more willing certain people are to engage in these conversations, especially topics that would normally cause a great amount of conflict. And I think it needs to be an effort on everyone's end, just because everyone is also at different places in terms of unlearning their biases and figuring out where their subconscious biases lie. But Yeah, I think it's, for this example I provided, I think it's really hard just because at the end of the day, that interaction was so, so short. But 
I think having, for example, if that individual had other people in their lives that were also willing to be patient and take the time to kind of explain why those comments might make someone uncomfortable and also the historical like stereotypes and harm associated with those as and like the implications and the othering that it perpetuates then I think that is where we can make progress and I certainly think that it's already happening in some cases but obviously there's still like a long way to go. Amy how about you what do you think? I agree with Casey. I think we talk about our clinical experiences because they're the most relevant to us in our positions as student nurses. And it's where we have the most interactions with people we don't necessarily see every day or are comfortable with every day. And I think in these cases of, oh, that one patient that Casey had or the other patients that I've had, it's not really something that can be solved within the clinical setting or the hospital setting, it really is something that has to be thought of on the broader level and that are these people willing to listen and are these people willing to hear our stories? Because it can be easy to just assume that there's no harm. And I would like to think they never meant any harm by saying these comments, but I think it really just comes down to what Casey said and having these honest conversations and them being open to hearing that something they said was not the greatest thing to say or something they said was potentially harmful and being able to make that conscious change or make that like change in mindset and change in how they say things. I just want to add also, it takes an element of trust to be able to have these conversations, right? So the more I thought about it after that interaction, the more I realized that as much of, as much as I would have liked to respond with some like really eloquent explanation or rationalization about how hurtful those questions can be, I realized that even if I had that prepared, it might not have been most appropriate because kind of like what Amy was saying, like there is like a risk of like losing the rapport that's been built with the patient. And even on like an interpersonal level, I feel like these conversations can usually only happen when there is mutual trust and understanding from both sides. I completely agree with that. And I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think the most important part, at least personally, if I look inwards on myself is validation. Um, There will be times where I hear certain comments or I get asked certain questions and I laugh it off in the moment because I think I, I don't think the patient means anything negative when saying things. And then I go back, I go back home and I think like, was that appropriate to say? Like, what am I allowed to be offended or upset? So being able to know that comment wasn't appropriate, it made me feel uncomfortable and it's okay for me to feel uncomfortable is like personally a very big step for me. Again, I think it's very difficult to have those conversations in the patient setting, but I try to start outwards just in daily life, being able to vocally tell people if something isn't appropriate, at least just starting outside in my own personal life with the people that I interact with is a big step for me. And then I'm not sure if this is the most appropriate way to go about it, but just as Casey mentioned, if I get comments like, oh, where are you from? Or, oh, you would know this because you're from Asia, right? I kind of just reframe it into, no, I'm actually American and I'm from Southern California. I'm not 
sure you understand. I'm not sure I understand, but what you're saying from that, um, almost to make help them kind of rethink what their comment is or what they're trying to ask. I don't know if you have anything to add, Casey. The importance of community and or just the importance of community period, I think is really like important just to be able to have other people that can share your experiences, share your frustration, but also kind of hold you accountable and preventing you from being jaded. Because at the end of the day, like it's so important to remember like why I entered nursing despite all the challenges that come with it. And I think when you surround yourself people, surround yourself with people who can grieve with you and be frustrated with you, but also remind you why you do what you do is really important. I think it's also not to say that there are never going to be circumstances that you can't talk to the patient because, again, one of the great benefits maybe or like something I think that is unique to nursing is that relationship that you can build. And I don't doubt that there are relationships between patient and nurse out there where both parties feel comfortable and trust each other enough to be able to have those conversations. I just personally felt that, at least with my role currently as a student nurse and in that particular instant that that was like kind of not the time for me. I I completely get that. And I think that as a clinical educator, I struggle with how do I allow my students autonomy and yet protect them from things that I see because I'm not always there for, for things that happen. And, you know, and yet also, give them the ability to handle things on their own. I work with graduate students. So they're, they tend to be, you know, a little bit older. They were professional nurses at one point. So, but yet they're still in a vulnerable position as students. And what I was hoping to gain from you and I did was a little bit of insight into what it feels like being on your side to see how as educators, clinical educators and instructors in the school of nursing that we can support our students as they go through challenging things and come in contact with challenging people, because the reality of it is, is it's going to happen. I can also appreciate the fact that you recognize that, you know, you weren't ready to have that conversation with that particular patient. And it's definitely hard. It's hard to confront people and call people on their things. And it's even more difficult to do it in such a way that you don't burn that bridge or challenge that relationship in such a way that it no longer functions appropriately. Okay. So what kind of events do you have coming up that you're looking forward to? I think for like the 2020 to 2021 school year, we um, just about wrapped up our programming for APANZA in terms of events, just because with the end of the school year, but something I'm personally looking for, I'm, person looking forward to two events one of which both of which are still kind of like in the making and not completely formalized but I really hope will happen the first being a welcoming a welcome event for the accelerated BSN students in February we recently added two members to our executive board ABSN liaisons and they similar to freshman liaisons serve or exist to serve as like a bridge between the ABSN cohort and a PANZA, just because 
just with the nature of like ABSN curriculum and their stages of life, oftentimes there's like a bit of a disconnect, but at the end of the day, Apanza exists to serve nursing students at all undergraduate levels. And so being able to hold that welcoming event for them or just any type of event for ABSN students specifically, I think will be really exciting to see because it represents a next step in Apanza's history and being as inclusive as possible. And then in the fall, something that I personally am looking forward to and hoping we'll be able to execute is like a discussion event that explores kind of studying nursing and talking about nursing with maybe like immigrant parents or family members that may not be able may not completely understand what nursing is like in an American healthcare setting or view it in a very stigmatized way, because that's something I've personally experienced and know peers of mine have also experienced. And so I think being able to explore what we've gone through personally, as well as how we've responded and how maybe we can change our responses to be more beneficial to us and our family and friends will be really, I think, meaningful and exciting to see. I can add on to that. So like Casey said, we just about wrapped up our programming for the school year. We actually have one last thing planned out, and I'm personally very excited for that, um, and that we're planning on creating a welcome video for the incoming class of 2025. I always get really excited because it's we get the entire Panza um, organization to come together to create this so people uh, submit submissions of just clips of themselves that I add into a video and compile together and it's always really nice to see all the individual members welcoming the new class in. Casey also mentioned this event but I'm also very excited for it is the discussion surrounding talking about nursing with immigrant parents who may not necessarily understand the role of nurses within the American healthcare system. I think it's also something that's very personal for me, and it's something that has been on my mind since I first started at Penn Nursing, and it's something that I'm really excited to unpack and to talk about with my peers. That's great. They sound like excellent things that are coming up, really exciting for both of you. Is there anything else that you would like anybody to know about your organization before we wrap up? 2021 is actually a Panza's 10-year anniversary, and we held an event last Friday in that it included some alumni, and we just kind of took a short walk down memory lane about a Panza events, and I think it's really exciting to see how much a Panza has grown, and I think it's quite the challenge for Amy and I, but I think we're both also equally passionate and driven to continue the growth of a Panza to continue fostering community within the API community at Penn and at Penn Nursing, but also begin to kind of like stretch outwards into the greater Philly community. I think just echoing what Casey said, it really is amazing to see how much Panza has grown from since it was first founded and even just within Casey and my three to four years here at Penn, we've always existed to be a support group and a community and we want to keep preserving those values no matter where we go. Hello Marion. Hello Angela, how's it going? It's amazing, how are you? I am good. I really enjoyed your conversation with Casey and Amy from Apanza. 
Yeah, it was a great conversation. It was really nice to be able to talk to them and see the great things that they're a part of at Penn. It really, I was super impressed with them for as young as they are, they are really leaders in in the undergrad community at Penn. They've created this amazing platform and support for the Asian American and Pacific Islander community at Penn Nursing. Yeah, and you know, they talked about how they their group celebrated their 10-year anniversary. And it's also Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So it's a nice time to really highlight the work that they're doing, but also in the context of everything that's going on in this country right now with the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. For us as faculty and staff and other students at Penn, Penn Nursing, and globally to just really get a sense of what our students have gone through over this past year on top of the pandemic, but the again, the rise in hate crimes and prejudice as well. For us to really acknowledge that our students are suffering. Um, They do need support. And we really need to be aware of that and reach out to them and make sure they know that they are supported. Yes. So very true. Amy and Casey were brave enough to talk about some of their own experiences with some difficulties they've had in in clinical and and how they're related to. And as I said, it's, it's really impressive that they're able to articulate it and again, provide a space for other people to, to heal. Right. And it's a shame they shouldn't have to deal with that in clinicals, in class or wherever out in the community in the world that they are. And, you know, hopefully eventually these things will change and get better. But again, you know, it's it's our job to support them as much as we can. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing Podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can, please do us a solid and rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.